be permanently damaged. Hi, everyone. I'm Darby Harn, the host of the Shellformers podcast, where we discuss action figures and how they work in the larger frameworks of our lives, which just means that they're cool. And with me, as always, is my friend Sugu. How are you doing, Sugu? Hey, how's it going? It is going. So today, um, we're going to talk about um, Boba Fett, who is one of the, if not the, for some people, uh, coolest action figures, coolest toys in action figure history. And we're going to talk about him in context of the toy, our relationship to him, and then uh, this little show called The Mandalorian, which Sugu just caught up on. So now we could talk spoilers and shit. So if you haven't seen Mandalorian, shame on you guys, but FYI, spoilers from here on out. Um, so I guess we'll start. I'm we're both huge Star Wars fans. Suga, I'm pretty sure that you and I are the only two people who've ever had a lightsaber fight at Trinity College. That, you remember that? could you very remember well that? be. <laughs> I feel very I feel very confident in that. <laughs> Uh, Sugu and I bought uh, lightsabers at it was at Smith's, I think. Yeah. And uh, we had we had uh, we had a lightsaber duel there uh, back in the yard by uh, oh god, by the dorm, I think. I think I gave you my lightsaber at the end of the program. You did. It is. Uh, I thought it was on my desk. It must be. It must be uh, in the closet. I have both of them. Yeah. Yeah. We bought and the Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Yep. And then do you remember we tried again uh, when you came to visit me in California? We did it in the parking lot of my uh, of my apartment. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of lightsabers, basically. Uh, it yeah. was a good time. Good time for <laughs> lightsabers. But Boba Fett, um, slightly different. No lightsabers involved there. But he's still really cool. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about the original Kenner figure who uh was a huge part of my childhood so i like a lot of people my age a lot of uh kids my age uh the minute i could i sent away for my mail away boba fett with my proofs of purchase the instant i could and that was the longest six to eight weeks of my life dude like i went to the mailbox every day to look for this guy and i ended up we i think we had maybe three or four of them we sent for quite a few because he piled up their proofs of purchases um what about you, Sugu? What was your first interaction with Boba Fett? So I actually did have that toy. And now that you bring up that it was a mail order, I have no idea how I got it. Yeah. Um, I can tell you uh, a story with my siblings. So the audience probably doesn't know this, but my siblings are eight years and seven years older than me. Um, I have one of each, uh, brother and sister. So when we were growing up and I was too small to really do much of anything but be a lump, uh, my brother and sister, I guess, reenacted um, the ceremony scene at the end of uh, A New Hope. And I was R2-D2 because I, would, <laughs> I, I could do nothing else. <laughs> um, and, you know, for even more dating references, my brother and sister played the soundtrack, uh, that song from the soundtrack, on our uh, eight-track player. So we oh, had wow. the Star yeah we had we had the Star Wars soundtrack on eight track, and that's what they played while I was R two D two the lump. Um, that 
That's fucking amazing. I love that. <laughs> so somewhere in all of that, we managed to, I think it was due to my brother, um, but we managed to get our hands on uh, the Boba Fett figure. I yeah. imagine that he sent away uh, for that figure. In later years, he said that he had several tra- uh, Star Wars figures. I don't actually remember seeing them, so I wonder if he lost them or sold them to a friend of his or gave them to a friend of his. Anything yeah. like that. Sejo so, is a little bit older than I am, I think. So he would have been the right age for... Uh, those first figures i think yeah you know he says that we had uh, a luke skywalker with the extendable lightsaber and he said we have i believe a 3po as well mm-hmm. um but i don't remember what else but we did have that boba fett and i don't know what happened to the rocket it never launched for me um well, let's it talk about the rocket. Even, it might have even lost, actually. So this is <laughs> this is a urban legend that that folks. So, well, we'll back up. So, some of you guys listening you probably know the history of the rocket uh, firing Boba Fett, which was advertised, as you see here. No one can see because we're podcasting. But for Sugu and myself, this is my uh, this is my twenty back uh, X wing pilot Luke with the yep. um, with the offer. There you go. Um, so he was advertised with the Boba Fett with the rocket firing thing. This was never actually uh, produced. It never actually made it okay. to to fans. Uh, it's a little bit of an urban legend that it was. I remember arguing with uh, some of my friends growing up that they had him. He never had him. Um, they intended to make it, and then uh, tragically, there was a uh, Battlestar Galactica uh, toy that fired rocket firing missiles. And a child uh, died. He choked on this missile as Boba Fett was going into production. So Kenner um, abandoned the, the rocket firing mechanism. And so the first, and what you're thinking of, Sugu, that rocket coming loose, it did because they were, the first rockets were glued into the assembly. Yep. Um, okay. And so that, that glue wore out over time. But the actual mechanism never installed. So um, a quick digression. Um, yeah. Because that affected Transformers as well. The very first Transformer that I had that was spring-loaded, powerful spring. The very next one, (laughs) like no spring or just super weak. And that was by design because, as you said, someone from uh, a child had died from it. very very yeah young child very tragic and it upended and he's he sadly became part of this sort of mythology of star wars toys and and boba fett because the rocket firing boba fett does exist in prototype form there are we there are believed to be somewhere around a dozen possibly 15 of these one of which sold at auction a few months ago for about a hundred and i want to say eighty thousand dollars if i have my uh numbers right i saw one change hands at the 2011 comic-con in new york city um someone bought a uh, rocket firing fet that um jordan himbro had for sale or, or was uh involved in um for eighteen thousand dollars and that was in 2011 and that figure is now worth about 10 times more so in 2030 boba is probably going to be worth about a million dollars <laughs> So Jesus Christ, for one. Um, 
Boba in all his forms, the mail away, the carded, the loose, uh, is uh, one of the most expensive uh, star, some of the most expensive Star Wars figures around. Um, I tore them all open when I was a kid, so I just have the loose ones. Um, I have a hate the story of what we did. Oh, let's hear it. (laughs) You're gonna hate the conclusion then. So we had that Boba Fett and, um, my brother got the idea to uh as we were playing with this boba fett he got the idea to make boba fett fly like he did (laughs) in the movie so he took that figure glued a straw on his back oh nice and we ran a string from the top corner of our basement Mm -hmm. all the way to the other end of the basement and put boba fett on that string with that straw and I was mesmerized. I love that thing. <laughs> I love that thing. <laughs> so one thing my brother and I did uh, as we grew up and got a little bit, um, outgrew some of the Star Wars guys in the sort of mid to late 80s was um, we, were, we were careless with them, which is a shame because we prized them so much. Um, and in one instance, we it wasn't Boba, I don't think. It was someone else. But we attached him to a bottle rocket and uh launched him to see what would happen uh predictably (laughs) it it wasn't great um but it was uh i i that's cool with the straw but it was boba was a huge deal boba is i think has this mystique because one he's just awesome he looks cool and then he is um probably to this day the single coolest like design in star wars maybe with the exception of vader um, and then he was that first mail away figure and he had this sort of, he was a great early example of sort of hype because they've been hyping Boba well before Empire. He was in the holiday special. He was the figure. So by the time you got to Empire, everybody knew who Boba was. People who were like my age, five years old, who were paying attention. Um, he wasn't even named until uh, Return of the Jedi though. No, he was. He was uh, Boba Fett uh, from the very beginning. Um he was advertised as Boba on the card. Um, so this is 1979, oh. uh, the mail away. Um, get get a free Boba Fett action figure with purchase of four Star Wars action figures. I'd be surprised. You just changed my entire uh, yeah. knowledge of the lore of this guy. Yeah, here's your, this, uh, this is the 20 back Luke's cover. This is the printed offer on the front yeah. of the card. Um, some of these were stickers, but this is a printed one. So this one came that a little bit That helmet design looks different. Yeah, this is the prototype uh, design for uh, folks at home have seen this. Um, this is, uh, especially if you're Star Wars collectors. So this is uh, the very early uh, design mm. work by uh, by Kenner. And uh, uh, this happened so quick with Boba that they literally put the, uh, the two-up art, I think, right on the card. Um, and then Boba... The, the Boba Fett action figure, it, though the the figure that came out in 1979 uh, resembles the actual movie one very closely. This is actually one of the more accurate early Kenner figures, um, in in ways that's still really cool. And the, and the colors, one thing I really appreciated about the Mandalorian is um, uh, Boba Fett when he came back, and then he uh, his armor was pretty pretty always pretty roughed up. But then the, his experience in the Sarlacc pit evidently made it worse. 
but then he he sort of spruced up his armor repainted his armor and he repainted them into the solid kenner colors the red the green the yellow <laughs> which if you're a nerd an ancient nerd like me i bounced off the ceiling um that was just that was super cool so now i can't wait for my uh old man boba fett with dad bod uh to come out with his kenner colors uh in uh, the action figure line i'm gonna say later this year um okay so uh, uh let me know because i might just pick that one up you gotta do it man and there's a couple <laughs> bobas that they could do you could just do you know just sort of straight up old man boba uh boba sort of <laughs> boba sort of stretching that armor to keep that armor on and then uh sort of kenner colors boba um but let's see as we're talking about mandalorian so you've just recently caught up on it um what did you think then of boba fett coming back into the narrative into star wars uh yeah i'm i'm a mixed bag i mean to be honest i i like the idea of of that connection to the past that he's there um i do also think that he should have stayed dead in the sarlacc pit um (laughs) And I, th- I think it's also interesting that any conversation about Boba Fett needs to acknowledge that his role in the Star Wars franchise was ramped up massively because of fan popularity, right? Like oh, yeah. he wasn't supposed to have, like he's basically the father of all the clones, right? Like mm. it's because of his popularity that they took that character, but you know he would have been too young, so they had to then make a, a father for him to then be the father of all the clones. And um, yeah, so it was it was interesting watching watching that. I think I think Star Wars is leaning a bit too heavy on this. You have to kill the past, and so they have to acknowledge it in order to kill it, but. Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I'm of mixed bags. I, th- I think the way that they played it was interesting. I wish then that he didn't die in the Sarlacc pit in, in Jedi. It's, I will say this, I, I was, uh, I was against the idea of Boba returning initially. Um, I, because I, I didn't think there was much really reason to bring him back at all. And then, um, when they brought him back, I was, I, you know, I was, I always give credit to Dave Filoni and those guys. They, they always know what they're doing. I have confidence in them. So I, you know, I, I, I had confidence that they would do some, something interesting with Boba. And I do like where it's going. I, I love this idea that I think that Boba is going to kind of become the sort of kingpin of crime in the galaxy, which is, I, I is interesting. It's a different sort of flavor than what we've had recently. Yeah. Tamura Morrison is awesome i love him yes, i love him I as boba and then um the way that um in the episode that robert rodriguez directed where boba destroys single-handedly destroys an entire platoon of stormtroopers was cool and was the validation of every five-year-old nerd who ever lived because <laughs> like you you know when you're in the sandbox when, you, when you're in the basement playing with the, your action figures you imagine boba just mowing down everybody which is to your point with Return of the Jedi makes his death so uh, it's such a discrepancy now. Like what happened between, you know, he shows up in the Sarlacc and in the, the 
the fight on the skiff and okay he's going up against luke skywalker that's not a draw you want to pull but that is such he comes off so terribly and dies yeah. so apparent appear to die so you know yeah and then he comes back and then he's just he's this super badass that we always thought he did obviously the mandalorian is meant to rehabilitate boba i get it but it's just sort of like where was that where was the boba who murdered the stormtroopers that day at the sarlacc pit because if that boba had showed up luke would have been dead right he would have been in trouble so it's what do you do what do you do because that's the thing right like as the bounty hunter he was never supposed to be able to take on a a Jedi and live, right? Like that was just not supposed to happen in the original trilogy. Um, yeah, and to be fair, they established this a little bit with Django. I mean, Django, uh, his reach exceeds his grasp, let's say, when he mm-hmm. uh, took on Mace Windu. So, you know, it's a bad draw when you... <laughs> You know what Django decides for reasons that are you can sort of see the big hand of the plot. You know, they're like, I'm going to willingly fly down into the arena and take on Mace Windu directly. He's a yeah. Jedi master who sits on the council. This is no problem. Um, okay, but I think I feel like that was sort of set up to sort of show that Boba was in over his head with Luke, even though Luke not on the level of Mace Windu. But the Luke at the end of Mandalorian, if you were to, which is why Boba Fett was not there, that would have been an awkward conversation. You know, Luke yeah, Luke walks right. into the bridge and hey, are you? And Boba's like, no, 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 I'm another. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a different, a different Mandalorian. No, I'm the I'm the other Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and yeah. I think that's to me that's one of the things where um, I I really get. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but I really don't get into Star Wars these days because of all of that. Like every story they want to tell, just adds more complications to the previous one. Um, you know, <laughs> we we we've talked about this before, um, and I'll, I'm just going to bring up this analogy that we talked about maybe just before we started recording. R two D two. I the fact that he had these little jets in uh, episode two, I'm okay that he could fly around. That doesn't bother me, but that would have been really helpful in the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Like every sure. time they add these these story elements that are interesting in of itself, it it makes the previous stories more complicated. I think revision, I wrote a whole article on this uh, about a month ago, I think when Boba returned. Um, so before Luke did in Mandalorian, I wrote this article about revisionism and Star Wars and how ultimately I think it's part of the narrative. I won't, I won't get into all of that here, but I think it's, it's inevitable given the way that the franchise has unfolded, you know, the way it sort of, you know, went back into the prequels and it's sort of, and now is sort of, um, investing a lot of time in, in places that take place before both the original trilogy and now the sequel trilogy. So you have this sort of inherent revisionism. You have revisionism that's actually uh, part of the actual narrative. Um, and that begins immediately with uh, what Obi-Wan tells Luke about his dad, which is a lie. Um, but I, I think it's part of the story. 
I don't mind it when it works well. I think one of the best examples of recent revisionism was the decision in Rise of Skywalker to make uh, Leia a Jedi to show that she had been she had trained as a Jedi because that that was a, just a massive oversight in the first couple uh, sequel trilogy films that just never made any sense. And so I'm, that was a nice sort of last minute salvage that I think made the, that her story and her arc better. And it gives people uh, gives her character more stories and opportunities when they do finally go back to that period in time. Yeah. But for Boba, like I said, I was initially against it. Uh, I didn't think there was any there there, but I like what they've done. I'm really curious about the book of Boba Fett. Like if it ends up being this sort of George Lucas has wanted, had wanted to do this sort of criminal underworld series story forever. And he never really got around to it. And I think that the book of Boba Fett is, I think, probably going to be that with Boba as sort of <laughs> sort of in control at Jabba's palace uh uh I mean don't get me wrong those mm-hmm. that by itself sounds fascinating but to make it Boba Fett just just adds so much so many more questions to the previous stuff that we've seen and it does it, to it, me it doesn't deepen the character or the universe it just has complications it yeah i think like deepening characters in star wars is sort of a interesting exercise because it's like you know we were talking last week about sort of achieving depth through you know this sort of oh they're grim and gritty and they're dark star wars doesn't really do that and they don't really do deep character studies um it's not really set up that way and one of my gripes about mandalorian is that it's a tv show that doesn't take advantage of its format very rarely does Um, it's the best when they do, it's fantastic. And the best example of that is in the, the, uh, penultimate episode of season two, where the Mandalorian and, uh, Bill Burr's character, uh, Mayfield, they infiltrate that Imperial base. Yeah. And there's this extraordinary scene where they're sitting at the, in the mess hall. And you realize yeah. that Bill Burr has PTSD about this awful, uh, mission, that he was part of in which civilians and, and Imperials both died. And I, that was extraordinary. And you had yeah. never really seen anything in Star Wars like that uh, to that point. And I give them, that's what I personally, I wanna see more of in addition to the holy shit and the, you know, everything blowing up. But I wanna see more of that. And when they do that, that's great. Um, yeah, I'll be honest, that scene threw me for a loop in a good way. Um, because that's the type of subversion that I, I can appreciate, right? Like that's the type yeah. of, of twist that you're like, okay, now this has gotten deep. Like you have, you have something to say. And I think a lot of the Mandalorian show doesn't have a whole lot to say. It's like they have a, you know, maybe a page worth of story but that's not going to last two seasons. So they have to pad it with other stuff. Um, but that scene, I'm like, okay, you've, you've got something to say. You've got, you've got yeah. something that you want to get out there. It, they do. And I thought in the context that it was presented, uh, it was an outstanding scene uh, written and directed by Rick Famuyua. Apologies if I mispronounce, mispronounce his last name. Um, and, and, Kudos to Bill Burr, who I thought was the MVP 
of really the whole season and that performance is totally unexpected. And it was that whole episode, his relationship with Den uh, was remarkable in the way that that sort of this theme of identity, this theme of masks, this theme of who, what is and isn't Amanda Loring unfolded and that scene where they're driving into the facility and, and Mayfield is like, um, you know what so what is the, how does it work what is the rule exactly with when you can take that thing on and off you know how, how does that work and then that played out and then Din obviously takes the mask off in the mess hall and then there's that amazing moment uh, at the end of the season when he does with Grogu um, I, I, all of that worked and all of that makes the Mandalorian the show that it is and absolutely let's see more of that I don't know if Boba Fett if we're going to get I don't know if we're going to investigate Boba's PTSD about the Sarlacc pit I'd appreciate it. I think Tamora Morrison could sell it. Tamora Morrison is, I love him. He's a, he's a really good actor. He's a great action star, but he's got, he's got a little bit of a dramatic weight to him. If folks have seen him in other movies, he hasn't done a ton of other movies, but um, he was uh, recently for folks who've seen an Aquaman, he played uh, Aquaman's dad. Mm-hmm. Um uh, T- Tamura is is amazing, and I think he's going to be great in the show. Um, so if we investigate Boba's, I would like to know, like you know, Boba's experience. I, I have a feeling we'll we'll have a flashback, but um, I would like to know Boba's experience in the Sarlacc pit. I would love to know more about him and his dad. I, I'd love to explore that kind of a thing. You know, like his, you know, his his I guess his thoughts, his sort of reflections now that he looks like his dad um you know more well yeah, to be honest, so, they didn't have a whole lot of childhood memories together right his abiding image of his dad is probably you know his death so i you know Holding that the helmet the helmet the which inside. is pretty pretty dark you know i remember seeing the first time i saw that in the theater there's the, the very morbid moment when mace windu cuts Django's head off and there's the shadow of the head flying out of the helmet which don't let anybody ever tell you that George Lucas only cares about selling toys to kids because that was pretty dark. Um, and then, and then Boba goes down to the floor of the arena and picks up the helmet. Wow. Um, but what did you think? So maybe we'll, this good opportunity to kind of bring it back to the discussion of the toys. Did you have any other Boba Fett toys besides that original one? Have you? No, had I just had the original one. Okay. That's why I'm, I'm interested in this this new uh, Kenner Colors uh, uh, Boba Fett that you say is coming out. Yeah, it'll, there'll, be, uh, there'll be a ton of Boba later this year as, as Hasbro catches up with yeah. uh, the show. So we're going to get, I think, a bunch of flavor of Boba. So like we're going to get the Cobb Vanth figure with, you know, who um, Timothy Oliphant, who wore the armor. Yeah. We'll get him for sure. We'll get sort of just uh, old man Boba desert desert roamer boba we'll get boba with <laughs> with the damaged armor and then we'll get boba with the counter colors armor um so I, we're going to get it all yeah i'm curious i got a, a question for you then in terms of boba fett figures that are currently available i guess yeah um of the two major star wars figures companies um third party if you will uh, SH Figure Arts or Mafex, or yeah. even uh, Star Wars Black Series. Which one yeah. would you recommend? There is a new uh, Boba Fett Black Series, the original Boba Fett from Return of the Jedi, that's coming out in April or May. Okay. 
Um, I, I'll send you a link to that. I would highly recommend that one. That one is amazing. Um, the first one that they did in 2013, 14, uh, the Black Series one was pretty good. Uh, this one's better. Um, if the figure arts one, if that's like, uh, if that's obtainable, that would definitely be cool. Um, there is also a, for the folks uh, who dig the four inch ones, which that's my, that's my speed. There's also a uh, four inch, a new version of the four inch Return of the Jedi Boba that's coming out in May also. It's almost like Hasbro knew that something was happening with Boba Fett. Um, but for the Mandalorian versions of Boba, I, I expect we'll see those later this year. Um, so just, just to recap, you're saying yeah. the SH figure art Star Wars Boba Fett from Return of the Jedi? It's almost a six-inch figure. It is a six-inch figure, yeah. Um, don't have it. Can't speak to it in terms of you know actual uh, experience, but you know people seem to love it. Um, I don't think my cousin Matt, who uh, collects some of the figure arts, I don't think he has that one. Okay. Yes, he, he has some of the other ones. He has the Luke Skywalker from New Hope, which is the best version of Luke that anybody has ever done. Um, SH figures. Yeah. Oh my God, it's an amazing. I don't have it. I don't have any of the figure arts, but but yeah, I would say if you want a if you want a original trilogy Boba, pick up this one that's coming out in May. Um, okay. From Black Series, it's it it's pretty awesome. Uh, Black Series Boba Fett. Yeah. From Return of the Jedi. Yeah, he comes with some swag. Um, he's got some little extra parts and stuff, flamethrower. Um, he's pretty cool. Okay. That's not the... All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my eyes peeled for it. Yeah, I'll send you a link to that one. Um, I believe you can pre-order it still. Some places have sold out already, but he'll be, he'll be available in May here in yeah. the States. Yeah, for me, in Japan, things are on a different schedule sure <laughs> yeah that it's crazy with the toys right now it it always is but um i'll find them but the um there's going to be a lot of boba this year there you know like i said there's the four inch one which i'm getting a couple of him that comes out in may um they they've uh repainted and reissued the slave one for the four inch uh size figures um i'm getting that as well that it's it's pretty cool it's more of a scale version of it um i wasn't going to get it and then it showed up of course in the mandalorian and you just you you know you're like oh yeah i have to get it yeah um uh, which i have to say that was uh that was pretty cool um and the sonic charge from attack of the yeah Clones. I, I thought was, that was interesting um, I yeah i mean just the sonic charge itself to me is a really fascinating weapon um yeah especially as there's no sound in space yeah <laughs> yeah yeah just uh, like all uh, the production of how they they designed it and how they made it like it is yeah the filming of it to me is really interesting yeah uh uh, ben Burt uh, tells a great anecdote about how he had to fight for that because um, he wanted all the sound to collapse out of the uh, scene, including the music. Including the, the, the non-diegetic music. Yeah, which uh, Luke, uh, George Lucas evidently was against initially, 
Um, but uh, but Ben Burt really sold it, and it, it's one of the more interesting scenes in the original in the uh, original in the sequel or the prequel trilogy. Prequel trilogy, yeah. yeah. I'll get there. It's one of them. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. If if fans can't tell, I I, I enjoy the uh, uh, prequel trilogy quite a bit. Um, won't get into the ins and outs of all that here, but um, enjoyed it for the most part. Um, so I've had Boba Fett toys. I think I have all of them that Kenner and Hasbro has made, uh, going back to 1979. Um, and they've made quite a few versions over the years. Every few years they do a new version of him in the four inch scale. I pretty much, I'm pretty sure I have them all. Um, some of the early sort of nine, the sort of the nineties and sort of early two thousands ones weren't great, but then they got into where they made some really, really great ones. Um, and they keep refining that as they, they go along. You keep thinking like, how could it be better? But then it's better. Um, it always is. So they always like with you and Optimus Prime, there's always another one, right? Yeah. So you keep buying it. There's, um, you know, there's a, one of the toy reviewers I, I watch. Uh, it talks about every franchise has like six characters that are pretty much like the staple and so whenever you have a new edition or a new revision those are the six that they they need <laughs> to always make sure to to yeah. create uh and then from there you can go into more obscure characters but you gotta nail those six and you know in transformers optimus prime is one of them in star wars i would say boba fett is also one be just for such a and i do mean this for the original trilogy for such a minor character you're right it's his design that pulls through it is uh i think i mentioned this earlier it, it, it's probably the single greatest design in star wars um it's there's something immediately awesome about him he's just cool there's something mysterious about him uh it's that stormtrooper aesthetic but he's cooler than the stormtroopers um darth vader is darth vader but boba fett is is i think a, a large part of it is just the t-visor it's just inherently cool and everybody yeah. and their mother has copied it uh since um but you can't really copy it um and then oh, really? it, it's been copied i mean you know you see all these films and everything the sci-fi films that have tried to recreate this sort of you know uh masked you know warrior look that that all sort of aping boba fett in some way or another and it just doesn't you know it doesn't really nobody i don't think you can ever really improve on it mm -hmm. um which is one reason why the mandalorian who ostensibly exists uh because boba fett was dead um <laughs> they just they just took the helmet and so all you know the entire mandalorian culture uh wears the helmet uh the helmet doesn't really change you know except for like paint um the design and you have the is... owl visor look as well yeah you have both you're right you have both the the uh the night owls uh the the women in mandalorian culture have a slightly different helmet the the lens yeah mm -hmm. that's true um bo katan her figure coming out in april yeah, she um, has another, like extra adornments around her eyes. She she does. She has a little bit slightly. She has one of the cooler uh, helmets in the entire Mandalorian thing. Uh, product of her um, background, of course, as she's uh, she is, I think, at this point, the House of Crees, because um, I don't think she has children. 
um and the house uh, of creeds so, because she doesn't have children I don't yeah know she she is uh her, she bo-katan is the is uh satine's sister satine was the ruler of mandalore and bo is ostensibly the heir to the throne although i think that's changed a little bit in how they actually do that um in terms of like is it just fighting is it whoever just holds the dark saber because satine didn't as far as we know mm -hmm. um satine was a pacifist um so the but her she doesn't have Boktan doesn't have any other siblings or children that we know of so she's it she's the house of crees um in and of herself um so she's sort of the ruling what would you call it ruling family ruling party of mandalore um so her armor is a little bit more adorned than we generally see although there are a ton of mandos background mandos in the show um, that have all different kind of interesting uh, adornments. And I just recently got the art of the Mandalorian book, which is mm -hmm. those behind the scenes books are always amazing and gorgeous. And there are tons of concept art of Mandos uh, in the book that they didn't use that I hope they do at some point because they're all pretty cool. Um, all, all instant action figures. I mean, if Hasbro just wanted to make action figures of just every single design that they just came up with, I well, it reminds me. Cool with me. It reminds me of um, uh, the MCU and the reason they started with mm -hmm. Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about this? I don't think so. So apparently, they did a market test with uh, a couple different action figures of characters in in the in Marvel, and oh, they yeah. were trying to see how to start off the MCU. <laughs> and kids were more interested in Iron Man because of the toys. Like Iron Man sure. lends itself to a lot of different toys. And so that's why they kicked off the MCU with Iron Man is to capitalize on that. Um, and which reminds me of another uh, video I was watching recently about, um, about toys. And it was the, the golden Batman that started this whole thing. Do you remember this that? Is, this is the 1989, 1990. Yeah. yeah. Batman, I think it was. It was yeah. gold. Yeah. That's, that started all of these variant characters or variants of the same character. Yeah. For the toys. And, you know, coming back to Boba Fett, like that one design, but now you have this whole plethora of variants of that design that makes even more toys yeah that they've kind of yeah you're right they've kind of gotten around that the, the irony in star wars then to that point is um it's obviously one of the if not the most successful uh toy franchise ever has never really engaged in the variant batman um you know it just doesn't because it's not set up that way you don't have yeah. like luke skywalker and scuba gear although i'm sure hasbro at one point was probably like can we just do them <laughs> <laughs> and then you know george george is probably like no um but, but you, you don't do have... have every scene that luke is in that that outfit you do and and one of i'll tell you something i found out from hasbro this would have been one of the conventions 2002 2003 during the prequels they were complaining uh, at a q a they were lamenting i'll say um the fact that the uh the heroes in the prequel trilogy uh, anakin and obi-wan didn't change costumes 
So the only character in the the of the uh, big three in the prequels who changes costumes was Padme, and Hasbro made all of those to their credit. But they didn't they didn't find you know they weren't exactly excited about her changing dresses. They wanted the Anakin and Obi Wan to kind of change it up the way that Luke and Han did. Luke and Han had a different costume. In every movie, they had three or four new costumes. They were new toys. Anakin and Obi Wan didn't really do that. Yeah. Um, they were upset about that because um, one, it didn't make any narrative sense because you know they didn't wear pilot uniforms the way that Luke did. They just got in their 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 uh, what do you call it? Their Jedi fighters and they flew off. Didn't make a lot of sense. And plus, it cheated them out of some toys. So they they I know they probably felt the same way with the sequels because you didn't have a lot of uh, costume changes either with the main characters with Ray. Ray's costume was effectively the same in all three movies with some minor differences. But, yeah, but you know, at the same time, Vader had the same costume in all three movies. Sure. And I think they I, I think they sort of, you know, Darth Vader, Boba Fett, you can just always sell him R2D2. They're just they're just cool, you know. Um, I think that you were talking earlier about the R2 having rockets. That was clearly a toy decision, you know, yeah. on Lucas's part. He was, you know, he's like, how can we make him more of a toy than he already yeah. was? Um, so you had, you know, the minute that they came up with the rockets, uh, Hasbro made a, a R2-D2 who could fly for episode one based on the concept art because he was meant to do so in episode one. That didn't actually happen. Um, it, he didn't do that until Attack of the Clones, but but you have the, that one episode one figure, which is a bit of an anachronism. Um, you have a lot of that concept art stuff, you know, that sort of pops up in the action figures. It's one of the cool things, which is why I hope someday they get to some of these Mandos, because um, I don't know why they're just not making Mandos like every single day. Like you can print money off of this show. It's so popular and they, they really sort of drag their feet on the merchandise, which is very unhasbro like. Yeah, um, especially considering episode four, I think, of season one, where you had the shootout at the end of the episode, right? Yeah. All the Mandalorians just came out. Yeah. You could, I mean, that's just rife for go nuts with designs. Why don't we have because them? Because you could always like, say, like, oh, you was. You didn't see him in the episode like it was just outside of the film it it's mystifying uh their approach so far with the mandalorian um the has toys have changed in general we talked a little bit about this uh, when we were talking about transformers but toys collecting toys producing toys has changed a little bit in recent years Mm -hmm. um it's not um when we were younger or even 10 15 years ago when you know it was a sort of overwhelming production of all this stuff um it's not that prices have gone up um production costs have gone up um it's cost of living is different so we're not we're as collectors we're probably not investing as much you add all that up um the sort of diversity of product isn't really there anymore um that being said it's strange that they're not just investing everything in the show it's interesting that you say that because I would actually say that on the other hand, Transformers is booming. Oh, There's a bunch is. of Transformers toys that are coming out all the time now. I think I'll say to that real quick, um, the difference there with Hasbro with Transformers is that they own it and they're not paying a Titanic licensing fee 
uh, to okay. uh, to Disney for Star Wars. So I think that's part of the equation. How much it is, I don't know. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Transformers, big presence, and they, they keep, you know, they, they're always doing cool stuff. You know, they have, uh, I'm a little bit behind, but like they, they're doing that Netflix show. The, is it War yeah. for Cybertron? Uh, okay, so War for Cybertron is the entire trilogy's name. And then the first uh, season is called Siege. And then, and so that's basically the, the war on Cybertron. And then the second season is called Earthrise. Okay. Not quite sure why I've watched it. There's no Earth. There's no rising. So <laughs> don't, know, don't know what's going on with that. And then the third one is called Kingdom. Mm. And so you know maybe it is licensing because the hasbro toys are actually a season ahead of the netflix show are they really yeah so like the siege toys came out and then like a half a year maybe even later the season came out so you already had the toys in hand before the show started oh, okay and then just recently the second one came uh earthrise just recently that Netflix show started, but those toys have been out for a while. And that is so so good. good. Uh, just to finish up, they they already started and they're releasing toys from their kingdom line. Mm -hmm. And the Netflix show won't start until maybe the end of this year. That is so different from the Star Wars experience where they're about a year behind. Um, and they're constantly playing catch up and like with the Mandalorian, there are, um, maybe six of the four inch figures, maybe a few more of the six inch figures, black series figures, um, which is night and day difference between transformers, but also how it was with star Wars traditionally, where, especially with the prequels, where there would be, the movie would come out and there was something on the order of like 30 different figures that would be out, um, and it's just completely different. And it, it's like I said, it's a little bit mystifying. Um, I could go off on a really big long rant about Hasbro and their relationship with um, Star Wars collectors in particular, especially this year during the pandemic. Um, it, they haven't made it necessarily easy. Um, I feel like the outreach is night and day, like the Transformers, those guys seem to be doing a great job. The Marvel Legends side of the equation for Hasbro mm -hmm. and their fan relationship and the way that they engage the community is amazing. And if you're a Marvel Le Legends fan, then you're, you're probably um, you're probably very happy. The only complaint you would have is, is that there's too much. If you're Star Wars right now, maybe for the last couple years it hasn't been fun i think since steve um and i forget his last name so i apologize uh since he moved on from running the star wars team in hasbro um it hasn't been fun you know i mean like it's been a different experience and they do great work hasbro and star wars don't get me wrong the outreach the engagement um getting the stuff just getting it you're not making it and i can't get it you know, especially with a show like The Mandalorian, like, you know, I think this is an opportunity for them to make up, to make a lot of money. And there, there's a lot of Grogu. There's a lot of, you know, different, there's a million different versions of the kid. Um, but just sort of traditional toys don't really exist. So 
Um, that's a that's a huge bummer. I know there's a lot of factors that play into it, and I, I so I'm not gonna you know harp on that. But um, if you just want, it shouldn't be this hard, and there should be some accounting for what's going on in the world as far as collecting toys. So, but anyway, yeah, rant, I, mean, I can rant tell over. you. Well, you know, I can talk a little bit about like the Transformers line. Um, it's been hard this uh 2020 has been really hard for transformers fans like nothing was coming out Mm -hmm. um and you know i i suspect that it is due to the supply lines for plastics like Um, just getting plastic delivered around the world during a pandemic is hard never mind then then molding it into the figure that you want Oh, sure. My understanding is that from a production standpoint, the impact of COVID on production was minimal across, uh, yeah, across, across the industry in general. The real problem was uh, getting it places once, once they, they made it, but you did not have that interruption for the most part. And I'm not an authority on all the lines because I don't collect all the lines. Um, If Marvel legends, uh, transformers, um, you're not really, you don't have a problem getting it if you really want it. Now, there's some Marvel Legends guys out there who just heard me say that, that are very angry right now. And I get that. So apologies, but Star Wars is slightly different. And um, you, you know, um, we're two seasons into Mandalorian and they've left, for my money, they've left a lot of it on the table. Um, and that just seems weird. You know, I've got, I got my Mando. I actually got some Mandos coming today in the mail. I got my Mando guy right here, him and Boba Fett hang out, and he's he's like, "Hey, you're me." And it's like, "No, I'm you." And then um, is that Mandalorian uh, Black series? This is the this is the four inch one. Okay. Uh, from the vintage collection, um, I have the six inch one. He's one of the few six inch ones I have. This is his big brother here. So hey, what's up? Okay. Um, but uh, I don't get super into the six inch. Uh, they're very good toys, uh, but I'm a four inch guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have those. So I have, there's Mando and then Kara Dune. And then I just got Moff Gideon um, with the dark saber. Oh, all right. you, you have something I want. And then, and then today I'm getting in the mail. Um, uh, the, uh, there's a, a two pack with the uh, Mandalorian and Grogu. Um, so well, the four inch line, it's slow, but it seems fairly healthy. Uh, healthier than it was. Okay. Yeah. Very slow. Very, um, their, their focus is entirely on black series and, uh, yeah. the four, the four inch line is an afterthought. Um, they're leaving a lot of money on the table though, but when they do work, when they do the, the toys, they're really good. Um, they're just not doing enough of them for most people. It's amazing. It should be the opposite, right? The four inch ones are easier to manufacture and just um, to kind of get out there. Hasbro sells this line that they're that the the cost is effectively the same between the six inch and the four inch because of the parts, the articulation, oh. and things like that. Um, I suspect that there's some truth in that, but the price okay. disparity doesn't reflect that. So uh, if it you. does, if it does cost them the same to make both figures then it doesn't really make sense that the six inch is uh, traditionally is $20. The four inch is about 13. 
uh, let's say it make it cost them 10 bucks to make most figures. So they're, they're making a lot of money on the six inch. And yeah. so if that is the case, then they're keeping that four inch, uh, retail price artificially high, uh, for the okay. sake of, uh, uh, maintaining, uh, these price points that they want to maintain. Sure. Um, but we buy them, <laughs> my, you know, uh, at how much longer is tough to say. My understanding is we're looking at some price increases later yeah. this year, which is to be expected with COVID. Um, there's some, you know, I figured there was something coming. You see a little bit of that already in the, across the six inch lines, Marvel and Star Wars. Um, but I, I, from what I understand that this fall is going to set in big time. Um, if the four inch figures were to keep going up beyond the $13, I think that would be problematic for a lot of people. I don't, I don't um, that at some point that is uh, prohibitive, but we'll see. You know, yeah, you're, think, you're basically pricing out the, the people buying it as a toy and not a collector. Yeah. And then you're not servicing the collector. Like to be completely honest, like I, if they cost $20 a piece and they made the ones I wanted, like then I, if they made all those Mandos and if they're like Darby, would you sign up for a subscription service? Like, and I'll charge you $20 pop and we'll make these super obscure, you know, random dudes. And, you know, we'll do like 25, 30 a year. Yeah, I would do it, but they're only making six, 12 a year and they're going to keep up in the price. And it's like, at that point I buy all the Boba Fett's. I'm not going to keep buying Boba Fett because I've got great Boba Fett's. You know, I, so I'm not at that point, even the logic of someone like me, who's a lifer, uh, falls away. So yeah. now we've been saying that forever because about 15 years ago, they were five and $6 and we're like, well, I won't buy them if they're $10 and we did. But at some point, like you said, you're pricing out the market, you're pricing out new collectors, kids. There's no kid who's going to walk into target and be like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to plunk down $15 on whoever maybe he will for the mandalorian right but he's not going to do it for anybody else so um he's not going to be become that collector who then buys into the line and it's going to hang around right they're not even yeah. growing the line organically the same way like the reason we're still collecting these toys is because when we were kids these guys got their claws in us and they're like here's this year's toy and there's always something new and cool around the corner they don't do that anymore um so well i, I think there's another aspect to it which you know like we've kind of touched on before but um just the the prevalence of the internet and how kids are kids really playing with toys so much or are they looking at more things in real life that that can interact with screens um you know like the amiibos for example in the nintendo world or uh lego even has some lego sets that you can buy but that interact with your lego game on your on your computer my senses which is limited um is that kids um are much more into lego than they are traditional uh role play action figures and i think a big part of it is one is lego is just always cool but lego is that interactive inherently interactive you're working with it you're building with it whereas the play pattern for action figures has been broken for a super long time yeah. and the the you know the transformers they transform so it's a toy star wars the little dudes um they need their ships they need you know they need the different things to sort of role play kind of build out your scenario the four inch they don't do that anymore it's it's very 
a porous and in the black series the black series is basically just a, a piece of art that you put on your desk you put on your shelf and kind of admire and and i get that and you know they're they're amazing but you don't really play with them and so the the play pattern in star wars has been broken for quite a while and that's been that's been frustrating i mean i don't play with my toys anymore but the for as a longtime collector what i love are the actual toys right so like i want the ships i want the creatures i want the play sets i want the things that are going to build out the scenes on my shelf and they're just not doing that and so yeah. that's you know that is what it is I, I there's a lot to complain about in the world you know <laughs> as we're not making as we're not making uh, toys for a 45 year old that whatever but you know i guess that's why we're here so um anyways so maybe as we kind of wrap up conversation about boba fett so you you think you're gonna buy old man boba when it comes out you want to get i one? actually think yeah i mean our podcast is kind of clued me into boba fett a little bit more than i expected in a way um uh, in terms of appreciation of him yeah. and so i've got the sh figure arts uh boba fett from uh let me pull it up here from return of the jedi i've already got that on my amazon page out here and i was nice. debating whether to put that in the cart just do it put it in the cart you only live once. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, they've also, so because I'm, I'm here, I've also got this, this eye on this, uh, the Play Arts Kai variant Boba Fett. Have you seen that? No? No. All right. I'm going to send you that link to the audience. I apologize because you won't be able to see it, but you will be able to hear Darb's reaction. We'll check it out. So this is the, what is it again, Sue? This is the Play, Play Arts. Arts Kai variant for Boba Fett. Oh yeah, I've seen him. Okay. These are cool. <laughs> These are, he's sort of, um, maybe we'll put a link up with the podcast um, on some of these guys we're talking about. Um, this guy is very, um, he's Boba sort of return of the jedi colors boba but he's sort of robotic he's sort of sort of samurai armor but kind of um not the ones uh who is it that does those sugu that does those sort of samurai armor stormtroopers uh, i know exactly who you're talking about that's tamashi nations tamashi nations this is not that this is um play arts kai and he's very sort of robotic i would say play arts kai does a lot of heavily stylized uh yeah. figures uh, a lot more angular a lot more i don't know i'd almost say like comic book looking yeah a um, little bit a little bit of comic he's very cool like, yeah highly dynamic in pretty much every pose he's got this great um in his shoulder pads he's got what appears to be sort of a rocket sort of a jetpack thing and the <laughs> shoulder pad which is kind of cool probably dangerous you know like in real world that thing would probably fly off his shoulder into his head not cool yeah. uh yeah. but it looks badass <laughs> so what are you gonna do <laughs> um yeah no we'll, we'll share we'll share a link to that and some of these other things we're talking about 
um, um, just so folks can kind of see. And this is a PVC figure. So I is he articulated? Yeah. He is. He is. Okay. Mm. So he's not like a model or anything. Okay. No, no. Um, so that's pretty cool. So Sugu's going to buy, he's going to buy, sounds like he might buy figure <laughs> arts boba and then probably an old man boba. And I am buying all of them when they come out because um, I, I love them. Um, if Hasbro makes them, they will. Of course they will. Yeah. Um, so that'll probably be later this year um, given their sort of time frames. Um, so any other, any other thoughts on Boba Fett? Um, the toy or just the character or anything like that as we kind of wrap up our conversation about him? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I, I really go back and forth about in terms of not just Boba Fett, but a lot of characters from our childhood, but Boba Fett especially, is it better to keep him in mystery or is it better to uh, flesh out his his history and answer questions that no one really asked. <laughs> yeah. It's it's sort of that, yeah, this is a question that has been asked quite a few times in Star Wars, you know, especially with Anakin. Um, is it do you ruin the mystique of the character by exploring him? You know, like in the prequels, there was this concern that you were demystifying Vader. And of course they did, because just just by just by going back into his past, you took away some of that mystique. Some people like that. Some people didn't. And I think Boba is the same way. Um, I think naturally the narrative sort of begs for some more meat on the bone. You, you want to know more. I think it's how they, how they execute it. Like how I have complete and total faith in Dave Filoni, John Favreau to sort of land this plane in terms of where they're going with Boba. I think they have to be super careful going forward because this is Boba Fett is a he's a minor character as you said but he's a he's an important character in star wars lore and he is a he's a character that unlike luke unlike leia unlike han solo that you can do stuff with and they're going to and how they proceed with him is going to be very interesting but also they have to be very cautious because you don't want to ruin boba fett in any way and star wars fandom is such that we all have different takes and perspectives and ways we interact with it so whatever they do, someone's going to have a problem with it. You very rarely have universal praise for anything anymore within Star Wars fandom. With the, I would say, I think we all pretty much agree that Mandalorian, the show, is great. Um, but so Boba, tread tread lightly. But I'm, I do want to see where they go, and I, if they want to take some swings, they want to do some interesting stuff. Boba has a really interesting history in uh, in uh, Star Wars uh, books and comic books, which are now no longer canon, but I think they could mine. At one point, he had a wife and, and child um, that I, I could be interesting. There's a character named Jodo Cast who impersonated Boba Fett in the comic books, who I think is rife for, uh, would be cool to explore in this context, given that Boba was off the grid for five years or so. So I expect to see Jodo actually at some point in the show. And if they want to explore Boba Fett as a man, I think that's interesting. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. All right, let's maybe leave it there on Boba Fett. Maybe TBD continued as we get future Boba Fett toys. Um, and we'll keep talking about Star Wars toys in future episodes. 
Uh, for now, um, once again, I'm Darby. I'm, I'm the host of Shellformers. Uh, you can find me on my website, darbyharn.com, um, where you can find my fiction. And I'm also a contributor uh, for various websites, in, including Star Wars Newsnet, where I write about Star Wars a lot, and Boba Fett, and all those people, Movie Newsnet. I also write uh, for ScreenWrite and CBR, comicbookresources.com. Sugu, where can people find you? Or through you. Is that is this still through me? <laughs> you, can find, you can find Sugu through me. Um, forward all, all mail to me. So, all right. Um, so we'll leave it there and then we'll check back in with you guys next time. Stay safe. Have a good week.